there. Welcome to Beauties and Banter, a lifestyle podcast where we are relevant, witty, and opinionated. Okay, y'all, the banter is brewing. It's time to sip some tea, so let's get into it. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> um, everyone, excuse my voice. I am... A little dehydrated at the moment, so um, don't sound my best this podcast, but I am here nonetheless. And that's what counts, that you're here. Yes. <laughs> Just sound a little funny, and excuse me if I maybe like cough or get a swig of water. So, warning you all now, so you won't talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> what is up with you, Renee? Um... What's giving you life this week? What's giving me life? And I know I talked about this a little bit when we were saying about uh, celebrities and dropping them, but I just cannot get enough of Kanye West and his Sunday service. Oh, Lord. I thought I'm scrolling through the IG, minding my business, and I see Sunday service. I just want him to put a whole album together on Sunday service so I can have some new Praise and worship music. That's all. And it's, it's you just, would praise it really and worship to it. That music is good. Like I would because it, he puts it in a way where they're talking about God and or singing about God. Mm. Um, so I, I would, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, the episode of the Kardashian show trailer was released or something, and it seems like they'll. They had some shots from that in some of the clips. So maybe they'll like showcase some on the upcoming season of the show or something. I don't watch the show like that. I'm not sure if I want to watch the show like that, but I would like for him to have an album with this music. I'm sure that's coming. He has to be doing some type of like documentary or something. Because mm-hmm. he's been doing it for a while now, right? Yeah, he has. It's been for, you know, at least for a couple of months, I think. Hmm. Interesting. Well. What's giving you life? Yes. Um, What is giving me life this week is um, I am about to be an auntie again. So my reign as the super cool aunt will continue. It's actually my oldest nephew he and his wife are having a baby, a baby girl. And we had the shower this weekend with my family. And I guess that makes me a great aunt, but I would like to be called a glam aunt instead. So it's glam aunt. Yes. I'm not old enough to be no great auntie, but that's what happens when you have older brothers and sisters (laughs) who have kids that are only 10 years apart from you. Um, So the baby will be here soon. She's doing like four weeks. It was a beautiful baby shower. So it'll be fun to have a new baby in the family. Um, My niece is eight years old, and she is getting too grown for her own good. So, Uh you know, she's at that age. And so a new little baby um, will be great. So... Um, that's so she, I hope she ain't salty when a new little baby come around, even though they're not siblings. 
Right. But they will be around each other. You know, she's used to having all the attention. She has had all of our attention, <coughs> excuse me, for the last um, couple years because she was the new baby. Um, and now there's going to be an even newer one. So um, she'll be fine. Move over. New baby is on the way. <laughs> it's a big cousin. Yes, that's what I'm like. She gets a new baby cousin. So, um, yeah. <coughs> so that's what's giving me life this week. So um, let's get into this episode. So um, today's episode is all about having a seat at the table. Shout out to Solange. Um, (laughs) But we want to talk a little bit today about, um, as women, we are finishing off the end of March and Women's History Month. Um, So as women, and particularly Black women, a little bit about, like, the lack of diversity and opportunities that are available to us, not only, well, rather the lack of opportunities that are, aren't um, as readily available to us in the entrepreneurial and venture capitalist space, um, but also the lack of diversity in corporate America as it relates to African-American women. So we wanted to talk about that and um, talk about the highs and lows of what it's like to sometimes be the only black woman in different spaces, right? Um, So this was actually came up, um, Renee and I were talking about some things and I was sharing with her how, so I was recently in a meeting at the corporate headquarters of a well-admired Fortune 200 company. Um, I don't have to name them, but most of you all have flown them before. You'd have been flewed out on this (laughs) airline. (laughs) And their headquarters are in Texas, so you can guess which company I'm talking about. Um, So I was part of a meeting there. There were about 30-plus people in the meeting, and I was the only black person. Um, So, you know, being the only is nothing new for me prior to working in the digital marketing space. And the agency that I'm working for now, I worked in the transportation industry. So working for a railroad, it was the same thing. Um, In my whole life, I've befriended, worked alongside, worshipped alongside people of all races. But, you know, some something about sitting in that meeting a couple weeks ago, it was like different because I found myself getting a little frustrated. Like, why am I the only person in here of color? You know, like. Where are we? Like, because I know plenty of intelligent, well-qualified black women specifically in that space that should be there. Um, And so it could speak to a lot of things. But, you know, it was just a reminder of, you know what, we really aren't in these kind of spaces. And sometimes you are the only. And so for me, it became a reflection and a reminder of, you know what? Sometimes we are put in positions of influence as well as isolation for a reason. And so it was just a reminder to me of the work that I have to do around mentoring and connecting my sister friends to the right people and the right places. Because at the end of the day, 
I want to see us win. And by us, I'm unapologetic in saying us as in black women, right? Um, so that kind of like spurred it and like Renee and I were talking about um, some of her past experiences and then just even speaking to the entrepreneurial side. Um, so that's what we're getting into today. We're talking about, you know, um, that lack of diversity in corporate America and also the lack of opportunities in the entrepreneurial space for women as it relates to getting funding for their companies and what it's like to navigate that. From my perspective, what it's like to be the only, you know, which I have been in a lot of scenarios in, in corporate America. Um, and then also like what it's like, you know, navigating that and some of the struggles uh, on the entrepreneurial side as well, because as you all know, Renee and I both have had entrepreneurial endeavor, endeavors as well, too. So let's get into it. You let's ready? do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you should kick it off, Renee, um, with some of the stuff we were talking about, specifically like as it relates to like the entrepreneurial side as well. Yeah, so... I want to start talking about with, with some of the friends that I've had for the entrepreneurial side. So I'll start with that, then I'll move into um, a little bit of the other stuff that I have. But I got to shout out some of my friends who are entrepreneurs, and mm-hmm. they make sure that they help other entre- women, other I'm tongue-tied. <laughs> so they help other women entrepreneurs. And I want to give a shout out to them. Um, one is Kylie, who gave me a chance several years ago when I first started branching out um, and before I became an entrepreneur and she had her own company, Big Girl Cosmetics, and she let me come on part-time and do some stuff for her. And then she helped me to realize and pushed me towards blogging when I wanted to do that. So that was, you know, something that she helped me do and she kind of mentored me in a way to be that and do the things that I love to do. And then I have some other friends, Larvetta of L3 Agency and Cleandria of Inc. Digital Agency, who both work together. They don't work together per se. They have two separate companies. But what I mean is they help each other out. Mm-hmm. So one of them might get a contract, but they'll bring the other one in if they can. Yeah. And if they can't bring the other one in, they'll find people around them who can help with the work. He has brought me in on some projects. Um, I know she's called you on a couple things. Yes, yes. Larvetta is having me work on an upcoming project that she's working on. So they are really um, women who live by the saying of, you can sit with us. Yeah. And I think part of that, too, is that, like, there's room for everyone to win. And I think there is a, a lot of power in, you're right, combining forces, if you will, with other black women entrepreneurs to go after a certain contract, you know, to make sure you're doing the best at um, a project, you know, bring other people in that are look like you that are in your circle Um, because like you can be better together and rather than trying to compete, you, you focus on collaborating. And I think one of the things is the stigma with black women is that we think, Oh my God, if I help her, she's going to do better than me. Or if I help bring somebody else in, they're going to get the job that I wanted. 
you know, we have to leave that alone and think we all are going to win one way or another. Somebody's if it's down to one person, cheer her on and help her to win. And one of the things that I like is um, Serena Williams is one of those women who's doing that right right now. She recognizes that there's a need to invest in women of color. Yeah, she wants to help us to get investments um, and to exceed. So one of the things she's done is she's teamed up with Bumble, the dating app. They mm-hmm. also have a networking side of their business. And they have something called the Bumble Fund. And the fund, it has um, they help get applicants opportunity to pitch their ideas to build a bigger and more equitable table. Yeah. So shout out to Serena for doing that. And I love that because, you know, Bumble is a woman-owned company. Um, she left Tinder and started Bumble. And, you know, on the Bumble app, the whole uh, premise of it is unlike other dating apps, the women have to make the first move. So you reply to the guy first, you decide whether you want to initiate the conversation, you know, period. And I loved what they have done, making it not just about dating. Um, I know they have like Bumble Networking, Bumble BFF. Like, so they've really, she's taken this business and really said, okay, let me use this platform with all of these women on here that are looking for you know, a date, but actually turn it into creating circles where they can find other like-minded women to develop friendships with and creating an opportunity for them to grow the business ideas that they have because no one else is going to support us the way other women do. Absolutely. And according to Bumble, women only received 2% of venture capital funding in 2017. And black women who have been called the most educated and entrepreneurial in the U.S. only receive 0.2% of all venture funding. Right. Now, how is that? Like you said, if we're the most educated, most entrepreneurial, and you're right, I, you know, especially among our black men, black women uh, exceed when it comes to college education, you is so many women then especially like black women starting businesses so why aren't we getting the money um i think i was gonna just answer that real quick because i think that part of the the problem is that we don't ask mm -hmm. i think that's one of the reasons i mean there's definitely other reasons but i think that's definitely but do we even know who to ask who are we asking that's another one yeah. Who are we asking? How are we getting that seat at the table to ask these venture capitalists? Who's introducing us? You know? So I think that's part of it. We don't ask, but a lot of it is we don't have an avenue to ask. So whatever Serena's doing with Bumble, you know, that's great that it's created it. But look at that Bumble run by a white woman. She had to create that opportunity and give black women a chance to even be a part of that, you know? Yeah. And so we can't assume that that will always go to a black woman. I mean, I'm sure she's going to try to focus in diversity and Serena is black, but you know, obviously all kind of women will apply for that, you know? So I think sometimes it's, we don't ask, but then sometimes we're not in a position to even ask the right person. Yeah, very true. I mean, I, I personally, have had to fight to get a seat at the table in the past. Mm-hmm. Working in the beauty industry is mostly with men, um, which is probably a surprise to some people, is that most men run beauty companies. 
So I had to work twice as hard to get a seat at the table. But when I got a seat at the table, I made sure that I brought women and men of color um, to the table. What I did is I focused on coaching and developing them to help them grow their careers up or either branch out on their own. And it also gave them chances because I gave chances to underdogs. So, for example, I had a, a guy that was, was gay and he was black and he had tattoos on his chest. When he wore a V-neck, you could see his tattoos on his chest. And so I said to him, you cannot come to work like that. And I want to give you this feedback because I want you to be able to grow within the company. This is a conservative company. They come from a different country. They are not, even though the beauty industry is very lenient, they are not. Mm -hmm. So if you want to grow with this company and be seen and taken seriously, you're going to have to wear shirts that cover up your tattoo. Yeah. I mean, and that's just some of the things that we have to be able to give that feedback to each other. We have to be able to help people get them in the right direction. And sometimes people are timid to ask for help or go in the right direction. I've had two, um, a, a group where we were on a trip together and it was my area managers and they were all in this little area congregating together and talking and just really not interacting with everyone else that was on that trip. All the other managers, all the senior managers, the director, the VP, they're not interacting with them. I brought them to the side and I was like, hey, this is an opportunity for you guys. Take this feedback how you want to, but in order to grow, you have to get to know everybody in the company. You can't stay in your little bubble and expect to grow and have a seat at the table and go to the next level. Yeah. If you're not interacting with everybody and asking for that seat or taking that seat by, you know, getting to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading some things on Black Enterprise, and I found several articles around Black women in the workplace, the lack of CEOs of companies that are Black women, specifically Fortune 500. Um, And kind of a great segue into this is it talked about how, you know, Black women are less likely to get that help navigating politics and balancing their work and personal lives. And managers are less likely to promote their accomplishments. And so it is like we are at a disadvantage of that. Um, And that's the part of it. You need that support to help you understand how to navigate that. He needed you to tell him, don't wear the V-neck shirts because he would have kept wearing them. And then he probably wouldn't have been promoted. He would have continued to be looked over, you know, because of that. Understanding the culture of where you are. And... In the corporate world, it is. You're playing the game. When you're an entrepreneur, great. You can do just about whatever you want. You know, you may be subject to some certain um, guidelines if you're working with a specific client, but you get to play by your own rules. In the corporate world, you play by their game. And based on research from LeanIn.org and McKinsey & Company, um, first of all, let's start with the base level. There are zero black women who run Fortune 500 companies. Zero. The last black woman that ran a large corporation that was a Fortune 500 company was Ursula Burns for Xerox. And so since she has left that post, you have zero black women. You only have 32 women and you only have three black men. So 
Um, there was a recent study, uh, like I said, leanin.org and McKinsey and Company um, released the stats laid out for the Women in the Workplace 2018 stats, and they're pretty much appalling. <laughs> uh, only one in 25 C-suite leaders are women of color. Four in 10 black women never have interactions with senior leaders about their work. So again, Uh, that whole, we, you know, we don't ask, we don't, how can you ever, if only four in 10 black women are even getting that opportunity to be with a senior leader, to ask those things for every 100 men promoted to manager, only 60 black women are promoted. And, you know, it's, they don't even have stats, but it's just like so many black women as well as lesbian women experience microaggressions at a higher rate overall than any other group of women. So it's like you throw on being a woman, then you throw on being black on top of that. Then you throw on maybe having a sexual identity that makes you different, you know, than what the norm is. And I will say from my own experience, you throw on having a different hairstyle that's different than the norm. So, you know, there was a time where I used to be a little insecure about it. Uh, As I started transitioning natural, I was still working in the railroad and I'm going into meetings in these little podunk towns with my teeny weeny Afro and my twist out and all these curls and kinkiness. But, you know, I'm at a different space now to where I'm like, I am who I am. I look beautiful rocking my natural hair. And so when I was in this meeting, you know, I'm sitting there at the table. Like I said, it's like 20 plus people in this boardroom and I'm sitting there with my natural hair braids. You know, one of the most senior people in the room, too. And I was just unapologetic about it. But. I have experienced those microaggressions and it's so hard to overcome. And, you know, when there isn't that representation there, you know, it's hard to continue to be motivated um, to advance in your career because a lot of people are at companies where they don't see it. You know, they don't see people that look like them and they also don't have those opportunities to interact with senior leadership. I think we have to start seeing ourselves as the expert mm-hmm. in whatever field that we're in and what we're doing. And when we see ourselves as the expert, the confidence starts to build. Because I remember even being in my 20s um, and I started out in the beauty industry, there were not a lot of black women in the beauty industry, let alone black counter managers who ran, I ran a $1.5 million counter for Clinique Yeah, in my 20s. That was unheard of. But the way that I got there is because I constantly told people what my goals were. Mm -hmm. I constantly told people, I was asking questions on how can I get there? I talked to senior management. I showed them that I was capable of doing it and I was seen as the expert. Yeah. So when I took on all of those responsibilities, people started to see how serious I was. And that's how I got promoted. But it wasn't always easy. It was never easy. Yeah. Because I've always had to work twice as hard as my white counterpart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's just that's just how it is. That's just always gonna be how it is, you know. Um and I think that's part of why mentorship is so important, right? And mm-hmm. um and like I said, like 
I I continue to be challenged because I have passively mentored people. Um, but I really am going to be a lot more intentional about it, you know, because again, there's no reason why, as like you said, the most educated group of women, the most entrepreneurial, the most ambitious, the, like you said, we work twice as hard to where we shouldn't be, um, seeing ourselves more in the companies and the spaces where we're interacting. And I know my um, current situation is, you know, I manage a team of 30 plus people um, and I have like, you know, a multi-million dollar book of business that I'm responsible for and I'm responsible for hiring. And so when people tell me like, oh, so-and-so is interested and it's a woman of color, you better believe I'm like, have her send me her, send me the resume, you know, let me talk to her. You know, um, because I am going to always, as long as I am in a position, I am not going to discriminate, but I definitely am going to create those opportunities for a black woman to get a job at my company. I just am, you know, and I'm pretty unapologetic about it. And I have hired three, no, four women of color at my company in the last six months qualified did great on the interview all of that right but like some of it came from me putting the word out you know like hey guys I'm in this position this is what my company does I am hiring you know um if you know somebody if you know somebody that knows somebody like because representation matters and you know at my company we interact with hundreds of clients, global companies. And some of them, I mean, I'm talking beauty brands, I'm talking hospitality brands, like even just them supporting them from a social media aspect and account management, which is like what we do, sometimes can make a difference. You know, you never know like who you're having a conversation with, with your client, where that diversity of thought that you bring to the table can have a huge impact on their company, you know? Um, because the way we live our lives are different, you know? And so to me, that's why a company like the company that I had that meeting in, and you know, it's like, why aren't there people that more people that look like me here? Because I know who's flying on that airline, you know, (laughs) and I know who's tweeting about it, you know, and I know who's sharing about it and I know who wants the marketing to reflect them, you know? So we have to be a part of that. But yeah, for me, it's about, you know, taking more ownership of your career to your point. Like you said, we have to see ourselves as the experts. We have to be confident in what we do. Um, And I am there. Like I had to start taking ownership of my career. I had to, when I did get that access to senior leaders, I had to speak up for myself when it came to salary, I had to speak up for myself when it came to, hey, here are some issues that I'm facing, Mr. President, and this is how I think they need to be fixed, or I'm not having a good relationship with this client, and, you know, based on that, this is how I'm feeling about my, you know, tenure at this company. Like, you know, I've been very, like, unafraid over the last few years to have those conversations 
So you have to take ownership and understanding what's best for you. And then you have to be confident in what you bring to the table. Like you said, know you're the expert. There are oftentimes that my boss is always tells me, I don't know what I would do without you, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and I mean, I have gotten to the point to where I don't be like, oh, my God, you're so sweet, whatever. I'm just like, I know I help keep everything straight around here. Mm-hmm. And that's how you have to do it. <laughs> I mean, you have to be like, I, I mean, not in a cocky way, but yeah. in a confident way. Like, yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I'm the one that, I'm the one that dots the eyes across the T. Yeah. I'm the one that makes sure everything continues to roll and run. Exactly. You know, and you have to be confident in that. And then I think you do. If you are in a position of influence, you have to use that influence to increase diversity in your workplace, you know, no matter what that looks like. Right. You know, I um, loved in um, Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, where she talked about um, for her law firm before she married Barack, how she got involved there because she was seeing a lack of recruitment from historically black college and universities, you know, and that those people were being looked over and they were going just to like, when they were looking to hire black, they were going to the Princeton's, the Yale's, and it's just like, great, but hey, there are qualified black people coming out of Texas Southern University's law school. There are qualified black people coming out of Fisk, you know, Howard Law School, and how she had to, she joined that team for that to get her leadership to see that, hey, in addition to setting up at career fairs at Princeton and Yale, we need to go set up at Howard. We need to go down to Atlanta and set up at Spelman. Um, and that was like her her way of saying, like, you need not just more black women, but you need more black women who have had this experience at a HBCU, you know, um, to have this great opportunity to work for this corporate law firm in Chicago. Absolutely. And another person that does it well is or is, is going to start doing it even better is, uh, well, not even better, but who's going to do it as well is Regina King. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what she said in her, her 2019 Golden Globe Award speech that she is vowing to hire 50 percent more women for anything that she produces. Wow. And she's challenging others to do it as well. Wow. That's awesome. That that is awesome, and I mean that's an exact um, example of influence. She is now an Oscar winner. You know, we all know she's been in this game a long time, Brenda from Two Two Seven, and she right. has paid her dues. But now that she's got that Oscar behind her title, now that she's directed, you know, a, a few movies and TV shows, yes, she now knows that she has the ability to make hiring decisions. And off the heels of that influence, that's so bold to make that declaration that anything coming across my table is going to have 50% black women. Uh And speaking of, for no particular reason other than, you know, that reminded me of somebody that's been doing it and continues to is Issa Rae. Like, just shout out. She was on the cover of Essence this uh, month, like, which is amazing. And she shared how you know, her first cover was alongside Shonda Rhimes, Ava DuVernay, and I'll forget the other person, so forgive me. But, you know, she was included with those women. It was like Black Women in Entertainment. And her book had just been released, so she shared that cover. 
And like she said, she was just so grateful for that opportunity. She was like, Essence has always had her back. And now here she is on the cover with her own, you know, show, HBO. She's getting work in other movies. I know she's playing like the lead role in an upcoming romantic comedy opposite a Pakistani man, you know. And um, I mean, like that that fact, like she said, Essence has always supported me, you know, and mm-hmm. We do. We always, you know, it is. It's nothing wrong with bigging up your other women. It's nothing wrong with saying, I'm going to hire black women. It's nothing wrong with saying, I'm starting, my show has been picked up by HBO. Great. All black folks up in here. (laughs) Exactly. Nothing wrong with, there's enough room for everyone to make it. Yeah. There's enough room for everyone to grow. But if we don't make it inclusive, we all lose. Yeah. We got to offer a seat at the table. We got to build a table. Or find one that values you. And so I want to talk about the good side of this, too, because I do think a couple of things come out of when you have that experience of being the only, when you have that experience of dealing with the microaggressions. You know, one of the articles talked about, like, it creates resilience, you know, that when you go through that, and I am a testament to that. I wrote about that in my book, you know being in a room where someone made a joke about the KKK, you know, being in those spaces and how it just made me so much more resilient. Um, And it actually creates this courage and sense of confidence and pride. And like you just said, not in like a boastful braggy way, but it's just like, you know what? I've been made to feel invisible. I've been ignored. I've been looked over. I've been rejected, but look at me, I am still here. I am at the top. I am still an influence. I am able to help bring people along. Along, And I think that just speaks to the Black race in general. You know, we are just some of the most resilient people, specifically in America, you know, thinking about our history here. And so I think looking at that, right, looking at how, what that has like brought out when you go through those experiences and how you are more resilient and confident and so it's like you said now you have that ability to pour into others to say girl you can make it girl keep going girl here let me help you because it does create resilience which makes you just even more qualified to be Mm -hmm. a boss and even more better at your job and so shout out to I do want to shout out a few black women who are doing it big as CEO of large corporations. They're not Fortune 500 companies, but these are very big, well-known companies that you know and love. So Joanne Jenkins is the CEO of AARP. Cynthia Marshall is the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks. Black woman CEO of an NBA team. And Sherilyn Atkins Green, uh, she is the chief marketing officer of Mary Kay. Very popular, very much a woman in the beauty industry that I know a lot of women look up to. She creates a lot of opportunities for women. And then Tashonda Puckett, she's the CEO of the Consumer Banking Division in Chase. So, you know, I'm sure you can hear the stories of these women and they've been through being the only, the microaggressions, but they are where they are. And I know that that courage that pride, that resiliency is there. 
And that's why they're at the top and they're moving all of these organizations forward. All of these organizations that they're CEOs of are doing well. And I mean, we ain't going nowhere. No. At the end of the day, we no. are not going anywhere. We are here to stay, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as y'all know it. And we continue to remind ourselves that we are not going nowhere. We will not be overlooked. We will not be ignored. You know, I I have to tell the story in that meeting. I was a last minute addition because, you know, it was my um, employee that was going. And then at the last minute, she was like, well, can you join? And so I was like, sure. You know, Um, so the folks who had did the presentation um, was like, oh, you know, we had already did the presentation before you came, so we didn't have time to add you to the deck. Whatever. I felt it was a little bit of a slight microaggression because I'm sure if I was the CEO, you would have opened up that PowerPoint real quick, even if it was from your phone, and threw in a picture of me. But, you know, it's cool. You know, and then the the VP did introduce me. It was like, oh, this is so-and-so's manager. You know, Latoya is here with us today. But it was funny because as people were coming in and out of the meeting, some people that missed the introductions were coming over to me. Um, and they were, you know, I was standing there with my employee and we were talking about things. And they, they knew her because she's the day-to-day person, right? Um, I only came in to support her in this meeting, you know, because bosses don't do day-to-day stuff. But... Anyway, and so, <laughs> uh, and so a couple of the girls were like, oh, well, what's your role? You know, do you work alongside her? And I'm like, oh, I'm her manager. Um, I'm, I'm over the team, you know? And so it was like, oh, so even that, the looks that you get from people when they recognize that you are a position of power or influence, you know, as a black woman, you know? even having to go through that sometimes, but it's just like, you learn to deal with it. So, you know, nothing can break us. Nothing can stop us now. (laughs) And I think that's the thing. It's just like, keep going, ladies, keep going and keep fighting for it. Um, because, you know, representation is important. Um, and you know, we have to lean in, and, you know, we have to, sometimes we do, we, like you said, we have to continue to like persist because things won't be handed to us in ways that we wish they were. We don't get handed the venture capitalist opportunities that white men do. I mean, again, fire festival. I mean, that, that situation <laughs> has so many like layers to it. There is no way that a black woman could get away with doing something like that, getting more people to give her millions of dollars, like keeping people like, come on the privilege that, you know, is available to white men in this country is astounding. Right. And I think the one thing that we need to remember out of all of this is that there is power in numbers. So the more that we come together, the more that we unite, the more that we help one another to grow and to develop each other, mentor, coach, train, whatever it is that you have to do, tell people that they can come sit with you. Yes. You can sit with me. Yep. 
All right. So, ladies and gents, if you're listening, we want to know your thoughts. Have you been in a space where you were the only woman of color? How do you navigate um, corporate politics and microaggressions? Um, How have you, as an entrepreneur, um, helped to bring other women alongside of you? Or how have you fought um, to get in spaces where there aren't a lot of women like you or raise money? We want to hear it because we know this is something that you all can relate to. So, you know, you can follow us on social media at Beauties Banter. You can join the conversation by using the hashtag Beauties Banter. And if you like this episode and if you had a chance to listen to some of our past episodes, we want you to write some reviews. We need some new reviews on iTunes. So feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Anything else, Renee? I just want to add this one thing because it just crossed my mind when you were saying the um, if you're a woman of color. Yeah. And if you're not a woman of color, how has this affected you? I'm mm. curious of that. And what have you done to bring in women of color? Have you done anything? Have you thought about it? Does this matter to you? Does it not? How does it affect you at your job? That's great. I love that. You're right. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. We want to hear from you, our sisters from another mister. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, y'all. We'll chime in on the conversation. Let us know how you feel. And I would say, too, to piggyback on that, black men, what are you doing as well? How are you supporting your fellow sisters? We want to hear from you. I know you're doing it because I've had black men support me along my corporate career journey, um, for sure. So we want to hear your examples, too, of how you've helped your sisters come along. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.